God, you are Elohim, you are the Lord God creator, and God, even as creator, Lord, even as our mighty God, you still love on us. You are Yahweh Roi, the Lord my shepherd, and I thank you so much how you take care of us and you watch over us as a shepherd, and we are your sheep tonight. We want to be close to you. We come before you to hear from our shepherd, to hear the voice of our Lord. And so, God, I ask that you would touch this time with your Holy Spirit and that you would move upon our hearts and we will bow down and worship you tonight. So anoint this time with your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I read about this country preacher. He bought a horse that had been raised by this Christian farmer. And so the seller told the preacher, now remember, this horse will only start if you say, praise the Lord. And he'll only stop if you say, amen. Okay, said the preacher. Start, that's praise the Lord. Stop, that's amen. Okay, got it. So the preacher mounted the horse and said, Praise the Lord. And then the horse went galloping down the road. Suddenly, as he was going back home, he noticed that the bridge had been washed out, and soon he'd be crashing out into the icy river. Well, in the heat of the moment, you know, in the panic there, he could not remember the instructions. In vain, he cried out, Whoa, whoa! The horse kept going. In vain, he cried out, Stop, stop, stop! The horse kept going. He said, Halt, halt! The horse kept going. Then at the very last moment, he remembered the right word. And he shouted, Amen! And the horse stopped right at the edge. <laughs> well, at that, the preacher was in this great sigh of relief, thankful his life was saved. He looked up to the heavens with joy in his heart, and he said, Praise the Lord! <laughs> well, as we return to our study in Luke, we find Elizabeth gives a prophetic blessing to Mary when she comes to visit her. And then Mary breaks out into a song of praise. And that's the title of our message tonight, A Song of Praise. We're going to be studying Luke chapter 1 from verse 39 to 56 tonight. We're going to take this next section, 39 through 56. And there's two things in our outline, just two. Number one, the joy of the Holy Spirit, and number two, the joy in the work of God. So those two things we're going to cover. So let's begin here. A song of praise, but number one in our outline, the joy of the Holy Spirit. The joy of the Holy Spirit. Take a look with me now. We're going to be covering verses 39 through 45 in this section, but first let's take a look at verse 39 and 40. It reads here, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And we'll stop right there. Now we begin with these words, in those days. Well, in what days? What are we talking about here? Well, in the days after the angel came and appeared to Mary and gave her special announcement. Last time we saw in the previous section from verse 26 to 38, the angel Gabriel announced to the Virgin Mary, right? She was to carry and birth the Messiah. And 
The angel also, in the middle of all that, told Mary that her relative Elizabeth, the wife of the Jewish priest Zechariah, they were pregnant too in their old age. So both of these things were amazing things, especially for Mary, that she was going to be the mother of Jesus. Well, this was, as we titled last week, the impossible announcement. If you missed that, you can catch it on our YouTube channel, Facebook, even on our podcast. So after all that, Mary took off from Nazareth. And here we see in verse 39, in those days, after all that happened, Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country. And we're not sure exactly where, but it was in the area of Judah. Now she was in the area of Galilee in the northern part of Israel, but it's Judah's more in the southern area. So to travel from Nazareth to anywhere in Judah where probably, um, uh, we're not sure exactly, but it would be about 50 to 70 miles of travel, maybe three to five days. So this would, I mean, imagine this. This would be a long journey for a young teenage woman to go alone on foot. So it'd be a journey there. But she made it. And we see in verse 40, she entered the house of Zechariah. She came to a relative's house. And there was Elizabeth. And she greeted Elizabeth like, Hi, Elizabeth. Hey, I'm here. Well, verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So, now, when Elizabeth heard the greeting, Mary comes in, Hey, I'm here. Hello. The Holy Spirit filled Elizabeth. Mary's visit was a surprise, but it was a good surprise because all of a sudden Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit and she was filled with joy. And we read here in verse 41, not only for Elizabeth, but the baby leaped in the womb. And now that's interesting because the baby in there in the womb is who? None other than we learned a couple weeks ago is John the Baptist, right? The forerunner to the Messiah. So what I see here is the baby was full of joy too. When, when Mary's voice went out, Elizabeth heard, and the baby somehow heard too, probably heard too through the, in the womb. The baby was full of joy too. And I believe the baby himself was filled with the Holy Spirit at that point. Like his mom, they were f both filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Our heading here. Now, I say this because look over um, back toward Luke chapter 1, verse 15 now. Luke 1, 15. If you see there, it says, For he will be great before the Lord. Talking about John the Baptist, his baby, and Elizabeth. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And look what it says. At the end of 15, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his what? Mother's womb. So I believe it was at this moment that John the baby was filled with the Holy Spirit, as was prophesied by the angel back there in Luke 1.15. So being suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit. Now Elizabeth, right, this elderly mother-to-be, she's opens up and she starts to speak and look at verse 42 now we're going to look at 42 through 45 it says and she exclaimed with a loud cry blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb and why is this granted to me that the mother of my lord should come to me for behold when the sound of your greeting came to my ears the baby in the womb leaped for joy and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to uh, spoken from to her from the Lord. 
So Mary's greeting was returned with a greeting, basically, from Elizabeth, which turned into this blessing upon Mary, which turned into really like this praise to the Lord, all, all combined in there. And so Elizabeth exclaimed with this loud cry, in other words, with a loud voice. You know why? Because she was filled with joy. And she was so happy to see Mary, and the Holy Spirit just filled her with what was going on exactly here. Now the Holy Spirit reveals to Elizabeth some things here and there's three ways Mary is blessed and that's what comes out here in this greeting response back to Mary from Elizabeth. So there's three ways Mary is blessed and first of all Mary is chosen. Mary is chosen. Basically the Holy Spirit reveals to, to Elizabeth that Mary is chosen to be prophes the prophesied virgin to carry in birth the Messiah. That's why Elizabeth says, by the Holy Spirit, blessed are you among women. Right? It was a hope we learned of many Jewish women to be one, the one to both birth and carry, carry in birth the Messiah God. And so I believe when Elizabeth is saying this, and with Mary coming, I believe what is spoken here, Mary saying, blessed are you among women. It's because Mary is already pregnant with the baby Jesus. I think that's part of where it says in, back in when we start in verse 39, in those days. In what days? Well, in the days that the angel came, and the days that Mary uh, became uh, pregnant with the baby Jesus through the Holy Spirit. That, that it was in those days Mary ends up visiting Elizabeth here. So Mary is chosen to be the prophesied virgin to carry in birth the Messiah. That's what the first blessing is. Secondly, we see Mary's baby is identified. Mary's baby is identified and confirmed really to be the promised Messiah. Elizabeth says by the Holy Spirit now in verse 42, Blessed is the fruit of, the, of your womb. In other words, you're carrying this Messiah. And Elizabeth goes on to say, basically, I'm honored that the mother of my Lord, her, who's her Lord? The Lord God, and we know Jesus Christ, it, that's the Messiah, the baby here. And then in verse 44, Elizabeth's baby now, John, who's in Elizabeth's womb, leaps for joy, confirming that Mary's baby is the Messiah. So you see what Elizabeth says by the Holy Spirit and what John does, it all confirms and identifies that this baby is the promised Messiah. You know what's crazy about the baby uh, leaping for joy inside the womb? Even before his birth, John rejoiced, right? It says here in, in um, verse 44, the, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. John rejoiced in Jesus just as he did later in his ministry when, when he was the forerunner and preaching Christ is coming. You could say even while still in the womb, John pointed out who the Messiah Jesus was. I love that. His ministry already started. So we see that Mary is chosen. Mary's baby is identified. And the third blessing we see here in three ways that Elizabeth blessed Mary. We see Mary's faith is recognized by God. So Elizabeth says, by the Holy Spirit, in verse 45, blessed is she who believed. Right? He's talking about Mary here. We saw this last week. Well, God told Mary about the miracle of becoming pregnant, being the one to carry the Messiah, being the mother of Jesus. Mary believed that. What God said, Mary believed, impossible or not, God, uh, Mary took God at her, 
His word, right? That's what we saw last week. Mary took God at his word. So how encouraging I think this was for Mary to know God sees her faith. God recognizes her faith that her, a virgin, being with child, she believed and it came to pass. I like what Warren Wiersbe said here. Because Mary believed the word of God, she experienced the power of God. I love that. You know, as we believe, and we believe when God tells us that He's going to do, you know what, we experience that power, God working in our life, doing those miracles. And this is really kind of blending in with what we saw last week. So all these blessings, all these three blessings, listen, they came out before Mary even said anything, right? She came in, hey, Elizabeth, and all, all some Elizabeth's filled with joy and the Holy Spirit, and she starts saying all these blessings. Only the Spirit could reveal these joyous things to Elizabeth, right? Only the Spirit, only the Holy Spirit could do this. Elizabeth knew even before Mary even said anything. Only the Spirit could say these things to Elizabeth that Mary is blessed to be the chosen one to birth the Messiah. Now before we go on, make a note here. We don't see here what our Catholic friends say, the veneration of Mary, where Mary is venerated or worshipped. We see how Elizabeth, by the Holy Spirit, did not say, look in verse 42, that Mary is blessed above women, but among women here. We know, we know exactly that only God is to be worshipped, right? So, what we see in this section, here's our point. Mary receives a word of encouragement and confirmation from Elizabeth by the Holy Spirit. So that's what we see right here in our first section. Mary receives a word of encouragement and confirmation from Elizabeth by the Holy Spirit. This word came out, this word of encouragement and confirmation. It was all to confirm to Mary what was going on. You know, I, I think of how, right, uh, today, I would say, there's probably about 500 Calvary Chapel churches uh, in the world. And there's about 1,300 Calvaries in the, in the United States. And us, we're, being, we're one of the Calvaries and we're affiliated with Calvary Chapel. Now, Calvary Chapels, we believe in the teaching of the Word of God, right? Um, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and also the moving of the Spirit too. I believe in a balance of both things. I believe in the Spirit, in the filling of the Spirit, even the gifts of the Spirit. But there's a balance in both things. And you know what? Calvary Chapel, it all started back when Pastor Chuck Smith took over a small dying church, about 20 people. It was called Calvary Chapel back then. And in a prayer meeting, there came a word from the Holy Spirit. Someone spoke a word. The Spirit had a word to say. And the word was God was giving Pastor Chuck a new name that means shepherd, for he will be a shepherd of many flocks. And that was a prophecy that was given. Well, God blessed that small church. He revived broke out called the Jesus movement right the end of the 60s and the 70s and and thousands and thousands of people were saved the church itself grew from that 20 to like 20,000 I think at, at, at its peak the Lord just blessed it and but from there many of the guys who got saved went out and started other Calvary chapels and went all over the nation 
all over the world and and um, and got saved and and you know went out and started those churches. So it's like passed through Pastor Chuck, God used Pastor Chuck to start these Calvaries, and literally that prophecy came true where he became a shepherd of many flocks. Well, you know what I see. It seems whenever God, whenever God is doing a new work, a huge work, He confirms it with His Word, and He confirms it with the Holy Spirit. That's why I believe Mary received this confirmation by the word given to Elizabeth and that leap of joy and in the baby, John the Baptist in the womb. How amazing is that? You know, God just giving that word, encouraging and, and, and confirming what he was doing, this huge thing and bringing the Messiah into the world through this teenager, Mary. You know what else is amazing? God is still giving encouragement and confirmation today, you guys. The Spirit is still moving. I don't know how many times, uh, many times God has spoken to me through someone or, or through His Word or someone went through a word from the Holy Spirit. And it seems like in, in the, my biggest and the most major decisions in my life, God has given me a word from someone. God has, has confirmed it or encouraged me. Uh, and, and, you know, I encourage you guys, so pray for wisdom, as James 1.5 says. Pray for the Holy Spirit to speak, you know, whether to you or in you or even, you know what, through you even. I mean, think about this. Perhaps like Elizabeth, God wants to use us to fill us with the Spirit. Give us a word to give out to someone. It could be. Sometimes we're not even open to that or even sensitive to, to the Spirit in that way. But I believe like God used Elizabeth, He wants to use us even today in with the Holy Spirit speaking and using us to speak someone to someone else. Maybe there, it's not happening because it could be there's things grieving the Spirit, stopping that flow. Or maybe it's just a basic thought that Maybe you do not even believe that God can use you in that way. I'm sure Elizabeth, you know, it, it, she, 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 you know she, she wasn't like looking for this. All of a sudden she heard Mary's greeting and boom, the Spirit filled her and gave her that word. But I believe, you know, she was a woman of God seeking God. But God wants us to live in that manner, to see miracles happen, even in that way where God can use us with the Holy Spirit in our lives. Adolf Schlatter said, the gift of the Holy Spirit made the apostles at home with the miraculous. I like that thought, you know. And you think about the book of Acts, how God used them. He used them in a mighty way. No, it was the filling of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, that happened in Acts chapter 2. And listen, we live in that time of blessing today. Ever since Acts chapter 2, ever since the Holy Spirit came upon the church, we live in the era of the Holy Spirit working in every believer. Think about this. Before Acts chapter 2, the Spirit wasn't dwelling in each person because first Christ had to die, we had to, you know, be made righteous in Christ, and now God can live within us. But before that wasn't like this. This, this was special, what was happening with this Elizabeth being filled with the Spirit. In the Old Testament, I talked about this before. In the Old Testament, it was like kings or prophets who were specially filled with the Spirit, leaders, you know, to lead God's people in that way. But now we live in an era where every believer, we can be, filled with the Holy Spirit.
I want you guys to just close your eyes for a moment. I want to pray for us. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us right now. That you would give us a greater measure of your spirit's work in our life. God, I pray you would fill us to this overflowing cup that we may hear you, that we may be guided by you better, that we may be connected to your power and peace better. And Lord, that maybe you would use us to give out a blessing with joy, just like Elizabeth did, glorifying you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for everyone right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, all this leads up to, uh, from the joy of the Holy Spirit, leads up to this uh, Joy in the work of God, number two. The joy in the work of God. And this is where it leads us up to the song of praise here. So number two is the joy in the work of God. We've seen the joy of the Holy Spirit. And now number two, the joy in the work of God. So we're going to be uh, covering the rest of this section, verse 46 to 56. But first, let's read 46 through 49. It says here, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. So Mary here, she now breaks out into this song. She hears all this. Now, she, remember, she hadn't told Elizabeth anything, yet Elizabeth is spilling out everything that has happened to Mary, basically, and confirming, encouraging her. And so Mary just breaks out into this song. Now, this section is really like a hymn, a song, and it leaks out of her heart, and it's often called the Magnificent uh, in some old, like, hymns or, or choral, choral uh, performances. They call it the Magnificent, and it really comes from a Latin translation of this passage, and the first word is Magnificent. So, Mary first, in verse 46, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord. She gives all glory to God. It's not anything she's done. It's not anything uh, that, that she, she can even do in herself. But it, it's what God has done and what God is doing in bringing the Messiah and salvation to the world. And second... Her spirit now, it says in, in verse 47, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Her spirit rejoices. There's that joy now. Just like Elizabeth had joy, the baby had joy. Well, here's that joy in Mary. And this is, she has joy in the work of God. That's our heading here. And then she has joy in what? Rejoices in God, my Savior. And I mentioned that last time, didn't I? That just like any other human being, Mary needs Jesus as her Savior. Mary is not a co-redemptrix, which means a co-savior with Jesus. That's No, she acknowledges here she's a human being just like anyone else, and she needs a Savior too. You know what I think about? I think about during Christmas time. I know it's only in June <laughs> or July, but it's not Christmas. But I think about Christmas when I look at this, that how we hear that song called Mary, Did You Know? Remember that song? Do you know that song? Mary, did you know? Do you know? No. Anyway, uh, the first verse says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would someday walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? 
Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? That's how the words go. This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. I love that because it goes right along here in what we read in verse 47. Did she know? Did Mary know? She knew some, right? She knew this was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And maybe she didn't know the full extent of what Christ would do on earth and even the full extent of what Christ would do on dying on the cross. I don't think she fully understood that. But she did know she needed a Savior. And she did know that this baby was her Savior also. I love that. Well, then in verse 48, Mary is floored, really. I mean, literally, she's just humbled by how God would look to her, a girl of such, she, she calls herself, humble estate. I mean, she's just this unknown teenage girl, right, from a no-name town. Um, and also, I think you could bring into this, she, she's also a sinner, just like anyone else. Who am I, is really what she's saying. It's like she's saying, who am I to be chosen to be the one to carry the one where all generations are, are going to be calling me blessed. I mean, who, who am I where all generations can be called blessed? So Mary basically breaks out in praise and praise and, and she's like, how, how can he who is mighty, right? The mighty one, the all-powerful God be doing these great things for me. I think about our worship song when I read that. Great things, great things, right? I mean, she's just this teenager, right? How can he who holy is his name, it's like Mary saying, look upon me, a sinner, and give me favor, and bestow upon me this privilege and honor to carry the Christ child. What is Mary seeing and praising God about here? You know what? His mercy and his grace. That's what I see here. She's just floored by all of this humbled, and she's just... God, you, you're holy, you're mighty, you, you choosing me, me, I'm going to be the one to carry the Messiah and be called blessed of all, you know, on all the generations. She's just floored by God's mercy and grace. The depth of her amazement of God's grace, really, you know what it shows? The depth of her spirituality. Think about that. Listen, when you get close to God, you get close to God's greatness and His holiness. And I'll tell you, as you get closer to God, oh, more the light shines, and I, I keep getting more humble, you know. I keep getting more like, oh, I'm so, I see my sins even more, and when the light gets into all those cracks and stuff, oh, you know, I'm humbled even more that God would still have mercy and grace and love on me. You know, I think about, it's like Isaiah 6, right? Isaiah, when he was brought into the throne, room of the Lord, right? He goes, I'm a man of unclean lips. And you know what? He was probably the most godly person in the nation at that time. The nation was, was going away from God, and he was called to be a prophet, to call Israel back to God. And yet, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. That's because he was right there in the throne room of God. Well, then Mary continues on in praise here. Look at verse 50 through 55. It says, 
And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble state. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. In verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring Forever, and we'll stop there. Now, understand here, Mary breaks out into this praise of God, this song of praise. But these words, these thoughts, what's flowing out, they come from Scripture, you know. They are all based in the Old Testament, which was the Scripture, what she had. I mean, look in, in verse 50, what, she's talking about how mercy continues from generation to generation. You know what? That thought is from Psalm 103, 17. In verse 59, it says, Mary praises God. The Lord God has shown strength with His arm and scattered the proud. And a picture of God's arm is throughout the Bible, like Isaiah 51.5. And perhaps Mary's thinking about how God humbled the proud Pharaoh, right? Wouldn't let the people go, but through the plagues, God overpowered Pharaoh there. In verse 52, Mary praises God and how he defeated the mighty. And I believe it's talking about the Canaanite rulers when Joshua went into the promised land and took over, as we're reading in Joshua in our daily reading now. And he exalts the humble, as in Psalms 113, 7 through 8. In verse 53, Mary praises God because he fills the hungry and the rich are made empty. And that's like Psalm 107, 8 through 9, and Proverbs 22, 16. In verse 54, Mary praises God who helps Israel, Psalm 106.10, and gives her mercy, Jeremiah 31.10. And then in verse 55, as the Lord spoke to her Jewish ancestors, the promise, she praises God for the promise of Abraham that he would redeem them as his people Forever, And this is what Jesus is doing. This is the Messiah coming. And there are many promises like Genesis, right? 12, 1 through 3 about Israel. Now, I know I, I, I threw those references out pretty fast. But, hey, you can get the, listen to podcasts and rewind and everything like that. But I wanted to get through this. But I wanted you to notice how Mary's joyous song of praise is filled with scripture, basically. It's based in scripture. What comes out of her mouth really is God's word. So what comes out of her mouth must be in her heart, right? It must be in there if it's coming out. Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 34, the last part, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the first thing that comes out of Mary here, it starts to be praise, and then she's starting praising God, and, and it's scripture. That's what's in her heart. What naturally came out, what was put in in Mary, was definitely in the Word. Mary was definitely, regularly in the Word. Listen to what John MacArthur wrote. Mary's words were the outflow of a heart steeped in God's Word. I love that. Her heart was steeped in it. Her heart was into God's Word. And, I, and so it just came out naturally as she started to praise the Lord after all that the Lord has done in doing in her life. Okay, then our last verse tonight, verse 56, it says, And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. 
So Mary stayed there with Elizabeth three months, the rest of the pregnancy. Remember back in verse 26, uh, when the angel came to Mary for, for her announcement, it was the, the sixth month of, uh, of uh, Elizabeth's pregnancy, so another three months. So Mary stayed all the way to the rest of the pregnancy. And it seemed like, though, she returned back to Nazareth right before John the Baptist was born, because in our next section, which is the birth of John the Baptist, we don't really see Mary around there. Perhaps, though, during this time, Mary was a great help to Elizabeth, right? With that last three months of, of uh, Elizabeth's pregnancy and she being elderly, probably Mary was of great help to her, uh, assisting her. But perhaps they are a great help to each other as this priest's wife and this teenager who is into the Word would fellowship together in all that God was doing and fulfilling here. I mean, they both had miracle babies, right? So it must have been great fellowship. They were probably connecting really good, you know, in a great way and seeing God's uh, fulfillment of prophecy being unfolded, the forerunner and the Messiah coming. And that must have been exciting. Perhaps just talking about the fulfillment of the scriptures that they knew about the Messiah and the forerunner, perhaps that would help Mary and prepare her for, you know what, heading home. Yeah, heading home. Because by the time she went back to Nazareth, she would have been probably like three months pregnant or so. And then going home, being three months pregnant, imagine her having to explain to her family, yeah, uh, by the way, um, I'm pregnant, yeah. I mean, a seemingly scandal here. Probably people, you know, remember I mentioned, would be talking and criticizing her. Oh, where were you those three months? Oh, I was with Elizabeth the whole time. Yeah, right, you know. Imagine her trying to explain things to Joseph, her fiancé even. Oh, you're gone three months, now you come pregnant? What? You know what's going on, really? But she could make it through and she could share from her heart because she had been prepared and strengthened in her fellowship. I believe those three months with Elizabeth. Okay, we come to our last point, wrapping all, this section all up with this. What clearly leaks out of Mary's song of praise is that she is in the scriptures and the scriptures are in her. And, and that's what I, I really want you guys to see in this song of praise, that, that what clearly leaks out of Mary's song of of praise is that she is in the scripture and the scriptures are in her. A young man named Charles was a nephew of an uncle who had recently passed away. He asked the lawyer, am I mentioned in the will? You are, replied the lawyer. Right here in the third paragraph, your uncle says, to my niece Sarah, I leave $100,000. To my cousin Janice, I leave $50,000. And to my nephew Charles, who constantly was asking me if he was mentioned in my way, will, I say, hi Charles. That was it. <laughs> yeah, you're mentioned in the will. Yeah, right there. Now, though Charles, he was in the will, he was not really in the will, right? I mean, you could see that. He wasn't really part of those who received the inheritance. Well, Mary wasn't like that concerning the word. She was really in the scriptures, so they became a part of her life. It was, and it easily leaked out, especially here in this song of praise. Well, you know what? In the same way, we need to ask ourselves, are we really in the Word? I mean, you could be in the Word, but not really in it, right? Think about Mary now. For her to really be in the Word, like 
enough for Elix out of her. I mean, think about her. She was just this teenager. She had no personal copy of scriptures. She must have regularly gone, right, to the synagogue whenever she could, yeah? She must have not only paid attention, but really heard and listened to the word like someone thirsting after water. That's what I picture Mary. That's why it's in her like that. She loved God so much that she loved God's scriptures, God's word. How about you? Are we into the word that much? And does the word influence us and inspire us to worship God? I mean, what we read here in her song and in, this, in the main part of the song was so much about God's character and his attributes and his power and his might and, and his holiness and who he is and, and his faithfulness and his mercy, his grace. All of that was wrapped up in there and that's what we find in the scriptures. How about you? When you sing, what comes out? Do you find your, your praise and worship, it, it exalts the God we find in the Bible? Mary's praise became an expression of, of, of her faith in God and her love for Him in what is found in Scripture. Frank Gabriel wrote this, Nothing prepares the heart more for worship of the Lord than to contemplate His beauty and Perfection. You know where we find that? We find those descriptions right here in the Word of God, right here in what Mary, Mary's saying about here. Perhaps your worship has become empty and dead. Could it be maybe it's just this ritual we go through? Could it be maybe we, we've turned it into focusing on ourselves? you know, like, like well, I, I, I don't know if I like this song, or, oh, this song makes me feel good, or, or I'm not sure about the music on this, you know. I, I, oh, well, I like more guitars, you know. No. <laughs> you know but, you know, sometimes we, we, get, we make it more focused on what, oh, what's, what's in it for me. But it should not be made about me, but it should be about what it's supposed to be is supposed to be all about God. Worship is all about God, right? Is that your worship? Is it about God or some empty ritual? It should be coming out of us, yeah, because we love God, because of what we have discovered in the scriptures about God. You know, I'll close with this. I noticed when um, our granddaughter, baby Riley, uh, who is like four months old and she's the cutest baby in the whole world. I'm sorry, I'm not biased, but you know. But anyway, uh, when, when she naps good and eats good, you know, she's a happy baby, right? And she starts talking and babbling and not like, you know, complaining and crying and whining the other times. But there's more smiles and giggles and shows a lot of joy, right? When, when she eats really good and is feeling good with all that, you know. Well, when the baby, when, whenever any baby is not feeling good, you know, they end up not making you know, noises like they should, not even the loud cries. And then, you know, something's wrong, right? When they're like, oh, no, they're not, you know, they're not ma talking as much and all that. Not even the, the whiny crying. And they could be sick. They could be really tired or weak. So there's concern when she's not vocal or when a baby is not vocal. Well, let me say it this way, in a similar way, when a believer is not feeding well on the Word of God, they will not have a voice to praise God like they should. When they're not healthy spiritually because they're not properly digesting the Word, 
then they're not going to be singing and worshiping like they, like we should. When your devotion to God is not where it should, you know what? You come to church and your worship is quiet. But let's change that and find that miracle in the Bible. And that's God's grace and love for us in spite of us. Yeah? Even in our failure. Even who are we? Yeah? For God to bestow his love upon us, to care for us, to, to work in our lives. Oh, he's our great and awesome, mighty God. And it's there we are overcome with joy when we see God for who he really is. There we find joy and the song of praise. Let's pray. God, thank you that you speak to us through your word and it's from the depths of eternity. You call out to us in your greatness and power and Lord, I'm just humbled by that. Who am I to, to have your attention, Lord? Who are we, God? Lord, we're just little tiny ants, Lord. Yet, Elohim, our Lord God creator, you love us anyway. And you love us with your whole heart. God, forgive us for making worship everything else but about you. Lord, Restore our joy in you and hear our hearts as we see you for who you are and as we give you our songs of praise, Lord, as we cry out to you in worship. Thank you, Lord. Hear us now in Jesus' name.